Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Let's face it, parish life can be hard, but it can also be very fulfilling. As Catholics, the parish is a primary place where we are called to encounter God and accompany others. But how do we connect with our parish in a real and meaningful way? On today's episode, we answer three questions about parish life. Along the way, we'll share our own journey on this topic, plus we'll update you on our house search and share a Catholic hack that'll help you wake up on the right foot. You won't want to miss it, so stay right here. Ladies and gentlemen, dreams do come true. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. A few weeks ago on the podcast, we started the podcast by talking about how there's a dream that Kevin and I had that for some people would be a nightmare. That's right. But it's a dream for us. Mm-hmm. And this dream, I'd say it's like 99.87% to be precise, <laughs> going to happen here. We are under contract with the house across the street from my sister. It is happening. Very exciting. We still need to go through like all the things and get all the closing. The things, yes. But it's looking it's looking great. We have an inspection on Friday. Who doesn't love an inspection? I know. It's um that time if you've never bought a house, it's that time where you get to go to the house and somebody goes through the house and tells you everything that's wrong with it. Yeah, and like scares you about things that mm-hmm. Sometimes they're wrong, and sometimes it's like, that's just life, and that's what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's wrong. It's right, but it's, like, not a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah. So, thank you for those of you who have been praying for us and for the house. We did get the house, and our house closed last week, so mm-hmm. we are we are renting currently. That's right. Our own house. Renting. Well, it's not ours anymore. Well, our former house. Our no, former I didn't want house. them to think like we were in an apartment somewhere. Oh, yeah. That's true. We're still in our same abode. Yes, it's now an abode. We're just renting. And because one change isn't big enough, also, Friday. That's right. Kevin had his last day at the focus office. Very last day at the focus office. Very last. It was sad it was hard to leave i know i should leave it's a great move but there's still we talked about this for 100 sad 100 excited so we got like the sad about leaving focus on friday but then we get the 100 excited on well basically the day this podcast comes out is my first day at the amazing parish and i am stoked just so excited to start that new chapter know that's where the Lord is leaving us, leading us. and uh, He's not awesome. leaving us. Leading. <laughs> that's where, leading. That's where he's leaving us. Is that's <laughs> where his footstep, foot, <laughs> footprints stopped with our footprints, and he, he left us. Yes. Right. He wasn't carrying us. He just disappeared. It's true. That's not true. No. No. Nope. No, it's not true. So, yeah, one chapter closes, another one begins. House, same thing. One chapter closes, another one begins. Yeah, and I just couldn't be excited. More excited for my first day of work. It's going to be awesome. It is. I'm very excited as well, Um, even though I'll just be home tomorrow. (laughs) You're excited to hear when I come home and tell you. That's right. It's kind of like when your kid's the first day of school, like you can't wait for them to get home to tell you what they did. But (laughs) what's nice about this is 
the other male in our family, our son, wouldn't really say much. He'd be like, I don't know. It was good. Are you, you going to take my picture by a tree tomorrow? I should. <laughs> and I, I'll write on a little um, a little chalkboard for that was, you. That was one of my favorite pictures when we took a picture of all the kids this year, the first day of school. And then you were included because it was also... It was my first day. Yeah. yeah. We were back to being a grad student. That's that was right. super fun. <laughs> grad student year one, which, you know, I'm going to be in that picture for the next eight years. So... We'll see who wins. Uh, Mary Claire graduating <laughs> from high school or... You graduating from grad school. Yeah, well, I think this it's baby might have on. slowed the pace. <laughs> it's the over-under. Yeah. Mary Claire graduating is when, yeah. I know. Yeah, it, it it should, it was supposed to time out that we would have one graduate from preschool, which would be this baby, one graduate from high school, and then I would graduate from grad school all in the same year. Hmm. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out. Yep. But that is not the topic of today. No. It is not education today's topic because we have perish on the mind is how to perish that is in like no one's no one's one's dying (laughs) that's right this is not a podcast about death (laughs) how to despair and die um (laughs) we'll like a flower and although sometimes perish perish that we are talking about perish life does Mm. feel like you're perishing that is so true which is why i love my new job yes hopefully that we can create awesome parishes, amazing parishes, if you will, where people yeah. don't want to die. Not just good parishes, not great parishes. Amazing, amazing parishes. Parishes, yes. And we had a request for this topic, a great email from a seminarian who's actually a seminarian in the order, and well, in the brother order that my spiritual director is in. So we were like, <laughs> how do you say no? <laughs> Quite the connection. Yeah. It was very exciting to see that. So anyways, we thought this is a great topic, something that we would love to talk about. So we're going to be talking today about parish life. How do you live parish life? How do you be a part of a parish or some questions about parish life? All of that. So give us some vision, Kevin. Oh, I just, I it's love your the favorite. vision. It is my favorite. And I was at a conference, it was actually an evangelical conference, uh, like two, three weeks ago and I was already kind of in my amazing parish role and I was talking about parishes and afterwards this person who was really excited about what I was doing they came out and they said what is a parish and I was like that is a really great question so as we were talking about how to parish I was like that's probably where we should start and I think that's one thing that makes Catholic churches different than evangelical churches is this idea of a parish and when we think about uh, the Catholic church uh, the Catholic church ultimately breaks things down into geographic locations and so your diocese or archdiocese that you live in is a geographic location, has certain boundaries and limitations that that bishop or archbishop oversees. And the same thing is with your parish. Each diocese or archdiocese is broken up into parishes, which are literal geographic locations, which have their own boundaries, in which the people in those geographic locations are supposed to be in that parish. Also, um, an archbishop is responsible for all those souls in his archdiocese. And similarly, a pastor is responsible for all the souls in his parish, that geographic location. So I think that's just fun to know. That's just a different way of looking at life as Catholics is that we break things down geographically, ultimately. The only other church I know that does this really well would be the Mormons. Hmm. Like they're intense about the way they break it down. Like, in mm-hmm. fact, you have to go to a certain service mm. based upon your ward is what they call it. Yep. 
And so, and they rotate because there's like, I don't know, three or four services depending, right? And so sometimes you're like, you're the seven o'clock service. Hmm. And so everybody who lives within your little boundary goes to seven. And then after a certain amount of time, then you're the nine o'clock service. And then you're the 11 and you don't have a choice about what time you go even. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Those Mormons, they're intense. I know. Zero flexibility there. I'm like, well, what happens if like, I don't know, like a World Cup game's on? in the morning <laughs> just a random so, example if not from our own lives no frequently lately. and you should go the night before <laughs> so you can see said game that, so anyways. Ha- that happened this weekend it did it did we had other reasons for going to saturday yeah we night. did anyways. but that was one of them one, one, one of, of the reasons yeah so that's what a parish is so you might be asking all right what is a parish supposed to do and i think or even what are we supposed to do as parishioners and i think it's always been same throughout the history of the church but culturally I think it's been different. So in the 1950s, culturally, again, this wasn't official church church teaching, but I think... It's the culture. It's the culture. Yeah, just our culture got down to is like, oh, if I'm a parishioner, my role is to pray, pay, and obey. It's like the three key words. So like, I'm, I'm supposed to pray, I'm supposed to have a relationship with God, I'm supposed to pay, I'm supposed to tithe, and I'm supposed to obey, I'm supposed to follow the church's teachings. And if I do those three things, basically like... I'm a good parishioner. And those aren't like totally off. Those aren't bad things to do. You should pray, have a relationship with God. You should tithe and you should do the church's teachings. But I think in addition to that, um, what the church has always called Catholics to do because of our baptism is to evangelize. Our goal is to really to live out the missionary call of Christ because uh, just from that very baptism creates that foundation for us to reach out to the world. We're supposed to be missionaries, desire to baptize uh, all nations. And so really this uh, has been a big theme in the last few pontificates. And with Pope Francis, he's really encouraging people that they have an encounter, that they accompany others, and ultimately that they're spirit-filled evangelists. So we need to encounter God. We need to live out a relationship with him. We need to accompany. We need to actually have relationships with other people. And then we need to be spirit-filled evangelists who are going out and spreading God's uh, good news. He should make those a little more sticky, like pray, pay, and obey, because those are easy to remember, but the the next set was a little bit harder. So if he could just work on that. sound like I'm criticizing the Pope now. And I don't think he doesn't like officially say, like, these are the three things, right? Like, that's more like when you look at his pontificate. Which uh, he's kind of laid them out. Yeah. More, has he? Yeah. But I, I don't, mm. it's not like this is the official three things parishioners should do. But I think as Catholics, he's really encouraged, yeah, those three themes. And I love his uh, imagery of... The church. He has a lot of different images for the church. One's a field hospital, which I really like. But the one with parishes that he talks about is that a parish should be in a like an oasis. It should be, you know, in viewing our, our world kind of like a desert, a parish is where people can come and really find what they're thirsty for. And I just love that image. That, like we as parishes like need to create this spot that when people come in, we can satisfy the desire of their hearts, what they're thirsting for in this world, that parish can be an answer to that. And so it's really, I think, an awesome image that Pope Francis has given us and a great goal for our parishes. When people walk in, are we prepared to satisfy their thirst? So it's a little vision on parishes. Very good. So we have uh, three questions about parish life that we're going to, questions that you might have. That's right. Trace preguntas. (laughs) Okay. This is a bilingual podcast, isn't it? <laughs> and anybody who speaks Spanish right now is laughing with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so three questions. <laughs> Thanks, mom and dad, for high school Spanish. 
Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm thinking about that YouTube. <laughs> Can we one- post just the show notes? Because we will. Go on. The one semester of Spanish love song. <laughs> It is a fantastic YouTube video if you've ever taken Spanish. Well, what I love about it is it's old school. Like, it's it's so old. Like, this is like, I don't know, like 15 years old. Back when, like, doing something like this, making, like, your own YouTube like this was, like, off the charts crazy. They did a really good job for 15 years ago. It's a very impressive early 2000s video. Yeah. (laughs) So. We'll put that in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm coming back. All right. Three questions about parish life. Um, First question that I think a lot of people have is, can I choose my parish? And this is a great question because I think in in the Protestant world, when you hear, um, you know, people have moved, it's like, oh, we're church shopping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like, can I church shop as a Catholic? Is that, can we do that? What's that look like? And I'll never forget when we first moved to Denver, I, okay. So first of all, we grew up in Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas. Well, slash Missouri. Yeah. And um, in both of those dioceses, the boundaries were set. Like, Mm -hmm. that is where you went to church. And I remember when we moved, we were still technically in our parish boundaries when we first moved, but then they were opening up a new parish because everything was moving south, and so the population was growing in that direction where we had moved. And so all of a sudden, the lines were redrawn to create this new parish, and we we're in the new parish. And so we had to go to that parish. And so like all of a sudden I'm in the high school gym going to mass because that's the new parish. And it wasn't even a question. It was just, mm-hmm. yep, they've reformed the lines. You're a part of this parish. So there you go. This is your new parish. So I remember calling the Archdiocese of Denver and saying, hi, when, when we moved here, when we moved here. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, the lady picked up and I said, hi, you know, we're moving to Denver. Here's our address. I just want to know what parish we're in. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, like what, what parish should we go to? And she's like, I don't know, honey, wherever you want to go. I'm like, but like, where are like the lines, like the boundaries. And she's like, we don't do that in Denver. Like you just pick your parish. And I was so confused because I was like, I thought this was like a Catholic rule. You just yeah. went to your parish, but she, yeah. So, so uh, that was my first experience with this idea of like, oh, can we church shop? So Kevin, tell us a little more about that. Well, yeah. And that might've been, uh, that archbishop at that particular time who had that, or maybe the lady answering the phone didn't even know about boundaries. You would think she would, but maybe not. No, she did. Because at that time, actually, our archbishop did say, you can do what, you just choose your parish. Oh. Yeah. But our current archbishop is like, hey, wherever you live, like we have boundaries and you need to go to that parish unless you have a certain particular need. And I think um, it's interesting to look at this because this idea of parish boundaries and lines has always been placed in the Catholic Church, but um, it's really been more tested with the invention of the car, right? Because before you would live close to your parish out of just necessity, you'd have to walk there to go to Mass. So you're not going to live that far away. And so what would happen would there be these neighborhoods in which around the parish, almost everyone would be Catholic because those are the houses people would want to live in in order to be able to just walk to Mass. And the idea of like church shopping or going to different churches didn't happen because it's like, well, am I going to walk five miles? Like, I'm not going to walk five miles to church. Like, I'll, I'll spend my whole Sunday. And so car changes everything. And so now we go, oh, well, I could just drive five more minutes. Like, that's not a big thing. Um, and so a couple things you want to think about here is one, you need to understand, yeah, we have this idea of a parish and boundary. It's uh, something we've done for a long time. And want to definitely keep that in mind. 
Two, what is your uh, bishop or archbishop uh, regulate? Like, what is he asking for you to do? Is he like the situation where in Denver, he's like, hey, whatever church you'd like it to go to? Or is he like our archbishop now who's like, no, we need to speak to parish boundaries. Um, it's really important, I think, too, for parishes because they um, they need con- you know consistent support. And so all of a sudden, if everyone just moves with a, like a, a pastor and then keeps switches, that kind of messes up parish life and funding and all those other things too. So there's definitely a, a reason for it. Um, but I think even, even with our archbishop, who's very restrictive, he's like, unless there's a particular reason, like a very special reason in which you need to not go to that parish, you know, like a, maybe a severe reason. I'm trying to get the exact wording, but. Well, I think less, it's more so a negative reason to not go to the parish. More like, is there a positive reason to go to another parish? Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's say like all of your family goes to this one parish, mm-hmm. but you happen to live in a different parish, but that's always been your parish and you just can't afford a house in that neighborhood, yeah. you know, like yeah. then, well, yeah, continue to go to the parish you've always gone to, even though you're not in the boundaries anymore, Yeah, because that's where your brothers and sisters and parents all go to. Yeah. And I'll say the caveat too. I mean, as parents, we are responsible for our own domestic church. Those are our kind of parish boundaries, like that we oversee, you know, like our children, like in their souls, if you will, um, <laughs> as, as priest, prophet and king, uh, and baptized. And so ultimately if we're at a parish, we think this isn't this parish and this parish life isn't going to lead our children to heaven. And obviously that's a subjective call, but you just feel like, boy, this place is not conducive to the holiness of my children. I think that is one of those situations where you just go, I'm, I'm going to find a, a, a different parish. And so I think the best thing is whatever parish is near you, whatever boundaries you're in, try that parish first. It's going to be a lot easier. There's going to be geographically a lot more people in that parish around where you live, which can create more community as well. Uh, that's probably what your archbishop or bishop uh, recommends. So try that parish first and just see. And even if on the outside you go, this is really rough or I don't think so, do that. I think that's, yeah, super important. Yeah. I think in our own lives, you know, we've, we've lived in four different houses, almost five. We've you know, lived in four different places and we have been in six different parishes. So the first three times we moved, we went to the parish that was closest to us mm-hmm. all three times. Then in our current house, we did what we always do, which we said, we're going to commit for the first year. No questions. It's just mm-hmm. the closest parish. That's what we're going to do. And unfortunately it just, it wasn't a fit for our family um, that we felt was going to help our children thrive in holiness, especially knowing the type of kids we have and the attentiveness that they pay um, to liturgical norms and things. And there were just some things going on at the parish at the time that just, it was not, I mean, our daughter took notice, you know, (laughs) like she'd ask questions. And so we decided, you know, okay, we've tried it for a year. We, we did everything we could to get involved and like, it just wasn't, it just wasn't working all around. And so we did end up switching parishes, went to a different parish. And then eventually when we decided to send our kids to Catholic school, switched again, because we wanted to make sure that our kids were in the same parish and the same school for the sake of continuity and community so that's where we've landed is in a parish that's outside of our borders but the parish that we first went to doesn't have a school so it's like not even an Mm -hmm. option Mm -hmm. so for us we we feel like our positive reason to be in this other parish is for the sake of continuity and community and having our school and parish life be one community um, to help build that up so that's kind of where we've 
landed then. Um, but yeah, like Kevin said, I think you always have to give it at least a year and make real efforts, not just like, I guess I'll kind of show up there. Like I was leading a Bible study in that parish, mm-hmm. but it was a situation where I would go to the Bible study and no joke, I was leading it. So it was like a women's night. Um, and there were like 60 women who would come, then we would break up into small groups. And of the 15 women in my group, every single woman was at least 20, if not 30 to 40 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And it just was a very older parish. And, um, you know, it just was like, okay, I'll do this. But like, there just, there wasn't a community there that we knew our family was going to need. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, um, yeah, as, as you're hearing our own story, this isn't something that we feel like we've nailed or it's been super easy. It's really been asking a lot of hard questions and going through struggles and going, boy, this is rough. Do we stick it out? Do we switch parishes? And so if you're somebody out there who's really wrestled with this question, know that we're right there with you. And I don't uh, pretend that we're perfect. Or we made every decision the right way or like perfectly timed. But, you know, like most families, and most parents, it's like you're just trying to do the best you can for your family and, and see what happens. So I think overall, like whatever you decide, uh, and a reasonable amount of time, pick a parish and commit to it. I think that's really, at the end of the day, probably the most important principle. Register at that prayer, parish and really dive in. I think that's really huge. We're in a lot of parish directories. We are in a lot of <laughs> parish directories. Awesome. Okay, so that was our first uh, question to ask, which is just this question of, can I choose my parish? And our second question we want to look at is, how do I get connected? So let's say you've chosen your parish and you've said, okay, I, I'm committed. Um, this is the parish I'm going to choose. I'm going to give it time and real effort. How do I actually get connected? Yeah. And I think parishes, they're, they're institutions, but they're institutions made up of people. And I think parishes, sometimes you're used to like college life or different apostolate. Things can move very quickly. But parishes seem to move slowly, but that's okay. I think it's just one of the things that like you need to realize it's going to be harder to kind of build those relationships. It's going to take more time. And so you need to do some proactive things. I think one thing that you can do to really get connected is pick a mass and stick to that mass. Go to that time every single week as much as possible because that's where you're really going to be able to meet people. And you're you, all of a sudden people can recognize your face. They know that you're at the parish. You can continue to have conversations. You can meet them after mass. The pastor knows that, oh yeah, this, this family always comes to... 845 or whatever the mass time is. I think that's so huge. It's just consistency and people know and they can begin to have that trust with you because they're like, no, they're here. I see them. They're always at this mass rather than they come twice a month and 5 p.m. sometimes and whatever it might be. And I think that stick around afterwards part is crucial too Mm -hmm. because that's when you actually meet people. Like mass itself is not social time. (laughs) Except for the peace be with you. Um, Some people make that social time. But... You know, if there's donuts after mass, go down to donuts. If there's mm-hmm. Knights of Columbus breakfast, which I think every parish has Knights of Columbus breakfast once a month, pretty much, go. I, I always think yeah. people are crazy when they don't go. I'm like, it's like cheap breakfast. You don't mm-hmm. have to do anything. You can go home and like not feed anybody until dinner time, pretty much, if you play the play the time right, you know? <laughs> so I go. I'm always shocked at you know, if you, if you show up, how few people show up at some parishes, this is, this is prime time afterwards to commune together and rest in the Lord's day. And it's Sunday. There shouldn't be a crazy full schedule. It should be a day of leisure, a day of community, a day of rest. And so if it's not, that's, that's probably one reason why you might not be enjoying your parish is if you rush out, like, yeah, of course you don't feel connected there. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the key question here that I think it's really important to ponder is 
when you come to a parish, are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Because when sometimes when it's like, oh, I don't want to stay after mass, like it's awkward or I don't know people or I want to go do something else. Like sometimes we can take this consumer mentality that we have in America on, on almost everything that we have, whether it's going out to eat or buying things, wherever it might be. And we take that into our parishes, right? Just as we talked about Protestants do church shop. It's like, oh, I need to find the right church for me. And while that's good, what you want to ask yourself is it's not just the right church for me that makes me feel comfortable or makes me just have a good relationship with God. You want to find a church that ultimately you can contribute to because that parish is a community that you're giving your life to. And we'll talk more about this, but again, as if, if, a, if a parish is all about evangelization, being missionaries, it's not supposed to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be uh, not awkward. Eternity is worth the awkwardness. And so when you go to that breakfast and you sit down and you have to go up to that family and be like, hey, can I sit with you? And maybe you don't have the best conversation, but you just keep trying over and over and over again because you're not there for you. You're not there just to be comfortable. You're there for other people and to build up that community and be an asset and a contributor, not just someone who comes and takes things. Yeah, that, that reminds me, our, the sec, parish number two that we tried before we found a parish that we um, is, is perfect fit for our family where we can thrive, where our kids are at school, all that. I remember we would always go to breakfast when they had it. We would always go to like mm-hmm. the aftermath, whatever, and we would try sitting with different families. And for whatever reason, like we just got like straight up rejected at that parish. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was, it was yeah, just, I, it's hard to describe. It was just over and over and over again. I felt like the kid in junior high who nobody wanted to sit with. And we tried so hard. We're like, what's wrong with us? Like, why don't people like us? Yep. And, and you know, it was just God gently saying like, I have like a school for you. And this parish also didn't have a school. Um, and so mm-hmm. just kind of when those things came together. So yeah, if you are like, listen, I've been doing it for a year. We've done that. Yep. <laughs> we have done that. We've gone to breakfast every single time for a year and just never found community. Yep. Um, and you got to ask, you know, is, is there something there or is there something I need to do differently? Um, especially if you're in a small town, you're like, uh, there's not another parish down the road. Like yep. this is it. I feel like it's a very different dynamic, though, I think, in smaller towns. so. But you got to commit and you got to try, even when it's hard, because you can't just say it's worth, it's not worth it or it's not going to happen. Like, you've got to make the commitment and give before you just ask, what am I getting? Absolutely. Time for our hack. Mm-hmm. Our hack. Our hack this week is a hack that involves your cell phone and the morning offering. So we've talked about the morning offering many times. It's the best way to start your day. You always want to start your day with prayer. Morning offering is the most obvious one. You could obviously do another prayer, but we're going to say the morning offering. So if you want to start your day with prayer without fail, like not even like options to not do this, here's, here's the hack. So on your phone, if you have a smartphone, which many of us do, you can make custom alarms. You can record an alarm yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can record your voice. So this is what you do. You record yourself saying the morning offering. Then you set your alarm to that quote ringtone. So when your alarm goes off, it goes off and it says the morning offering. It's you saying the morning offering to yourself. So you don't have time to forget. You don't have time to not think about it. Mm -hmm. It's just the very first words that you hear in the morning is yourself saying this morning offering prayer. Oh Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you. And it just there you go. And you start your day with the morning offering without fail. And you might have, you might get to do it twice because you hit snooze. Yeah, if you hit snooze, <laughs> you get to offer your day twice. 
Maybe three or four times. I don't know. That's maybe that's when we need to talk about the heroic minute. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great one though. Yeah. That's really, yeah. Use technology Mm -hmm. for our Catholic faith. I love that. There it is. All right. Time for our final question, which is what am I supposed to do at a parish? Yeah, so this is, I think, what we've been leading everything up to. And as far as being a contributor instead of a consumer, you're ultimately, you're there to help the parish accomplish its mission, which is ultimately to evangelize, right? That's the geographic location, that pastor is responsible for all those souls. You're there to help. And so you might say, well, if I'm at my parish, isn't everyone already Catholic? Well, uh, JP2 is big on the new evangelization which is ultimately a re-evangelization of Catholics. And so we know in our parishes, a lot of times where they're not alive is people haven't come alive in Christ. They may come occasionally, they might come every week, but they don't have this dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. And so we need to be there to be missionaries, to reach out. And we need to figure out, all right, how do I do that? You might say like, yeah, but I'm not this amazing super evangelist. One, I think anyone can invite other people. That's for certain. But you also want to just think, all right, who am I? Like, what gifts do I have? And how can I use these gifts to help evangelize, to help the parish's mission? And uh, really just take some time to, to look through that and figure out how you can contribute. And it might take a couple different tries or trying to figure out a few different gifts. And it might not be the top thing you want to do. But again, you're not there for you. You're there for what the parish needs. And so looking at the parish needs and looking at your gifts and trying to match those up, I think, is a really great way to start. It reminds me when we were um, first, first when we first moved to Colorado, the second time we moved back to Colorado, we were at a parish and my stage of life was like young kids. We had Mm -hmm. 10 month old and three year old and they had just started a mom's group. And I remember forcing myself to go for the, I, for six months, I hated it. (laughs) I was like, I don't, I don't know these ladies, you know, and I just Mm -hmm. really resisted it, but I made myself go and then by the second year in the mom's group, I was like a chair. And by the third year, I was super integral in the entire group. And it just, you know, sometimes it takes time. But I just looked at, well, what is my stage of life? What are my mm-hmm. gifts? I was like the craft lady my second year or something. We did, <laughs> we did a craft every other, like once a month, we did a craft during our meeting, like a fun. I don't know, and it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I was in charge of, right? So you just kind of figure out like, what's your stage of life? What are your gifts? And find something that matches up with that, with what you're already doing. And and I, and I love that example because that mom's group, when you went and why you didn't like it, it was because it seemed like a bunch of people who weren't necessarily super into their faith, but they just want to get together because they had young kids. But over time, there's a small core of you, not a ton of women, but just a few that said, hey, this could be a powerful tool for evangelization and really trying to help these women live out their faith to a greater level. And over those three years, like, you all started to see transformation, like people's lives were being changed. And it didn't take a lot. It just took a few women who said, we're going to step up. We're going to do what we can. We're going to live out our gifts. And then we're going to use those relationships. Um, use is the wrong word. We're going we're gonna to have these relationships and through these relationships, help these women really be transformed by Christ. And it was just, yeah, it was a beautiful example. It was really cool. It, it really was. I was so sad to leave that parish, but the first six months I hated it because I just don't like change. Yeah. So I usually hate most new things for about six months. Well. If not I'm, a whole year. I'm real excited about our new house and new <laughs> job. <laughs> new routine. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I am excited about these changes, but 
but it, yeah, I, no, it's change just, is hard. It's yeah, we just resist you it. Have podcast episodes on it because it's hard. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you don't ever really enter into anything because you just are resisting the change. Yeah, and you just got to get past that hump, and you just, you got to do it. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, that was a great example from um, yeah with that mom's group I've talked about before doing alpha at our current parish, and that's just been such a great way to give my gifts something that I can do and really to invite people. Uh, from the parish and that's that's just been a spark plug all of a sudden you see people come alive in christ and then they turn around and they want to live out alpha and they want to be involved to go through rcia they become catholic just really amazing things and, and all of a sudden just by getting again a few people together and starting to live out the church's mission of evangelization there's just our parish is great as it is but it just feels like this whole new wave of energy um, and I feel so much connected. I go to church and I, I just know so many other people because I've built those relationships and it's, it's just such a beautiful thing. And honestly, it's taken us two years to get to a point where when I go to our parish, I feel like there's always people we know. But it yeah. it really did. It took two years to get mm-hmm. to that point. It just takes time. But I, I could see the vision and I knew this is going to be good. We just have to get through this awkward phase first. Yep. And it did. Yeah. So I think it's totally, it's always worth it. So our how-to challenge as we wrap up this uh, episode here is to sign up for something at your parish. And this could be at the base level of sign up to be a parishioner. Yep. Like register. Take a stand. Yeah. And I think I especially want to challenge our young adult singles who are very hesitant to do this. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of this idea of like, well, I don't want to like commit to something or I don't want to like nail myself down. And they do church hop and they just kind of float around and there's the five different parishes they might go to depending on what's going on that weekend. Mm -hmm. But we really need you to be connected and a part of our community and registering is a way for you to say, all right, I'm taking a stand. I'm going to do this. Um, so that's that's one way that you could sign up for something is sign up for your parish. Um, maybe it's signing up for auto tithing, which was our challenge, or not challenge, but our hack last week. Yep. Maybe it's signing up to volunteer in some way, in a consistent way, because it, it helps you come consistently. If you sign up to be a music minister, if you mm-hmm. sign up to do, um, you know, Eucharistic minister, like then it forces you to show up and to mm-hmm. be a part of the community. Um, or some kind of a volunteer opportunity. Maybe it's in the nursery for the you know nine o'clock mass, or there's seven thousand kids. If you if you're at a season of life where you can be at at your parish in the morning and mm-hmm. volunteer and then go to mass, do that. Find something that you can do to start to make connections and and just go another layer deeper in your commitment to your parish. Yeah, and I think here, don't let the great become the enemy of the good. Like, just take the next step. You might think, oh, I had this great dream for what I can do in the parish. Okay, well, you need to take a step probably before you accomplish that crazy, amazing dream. Just take that next step. Go deeper and deeper, then see what it leads to and see what God's calling from what your gifts are and what the parish needs. Absolutely. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at madetomagnify.com. We'd love your comments and questions. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter or Lisa Ann Cotter, and that's Ann with no E. As always, if you enjoy this show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, and tell a friend. This helps us get out the word about how to Catholic. Until next week... Be saints. It's worth it.